The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Thursday afternoon. We are now six days from the NBA draft and some undetermined amount of time, I think probably four days from the lifting of the moratorium on transactions and all the GMs have itchy trigger fingers and everyone's ready to do some stuff. So why not have the general manager of the Washington Wizards, Tommy Shepard on? Tommy, how are you? I'm doing great, Zach. How are you doing? I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. We're almost there. A long, it's just long. Everything's taken very long, but you're, you're well, your family is well. We, we are. Everybody is calm. Everybody's healthy. That's all we can ask for. It's just like you said, with the calendars have no meaning right now. It just comes down to tell me how many days we have until the draft, free agency, and we move on. You're used to free agency being in, in July, but hey, here we are. Have, so have they November never hurt anybody? I don't. I don't even know what. Apparently, Thanksgiving's coming up. Um. So so it's right now. It's one o'clock about on Thursday afternoon Eastern time. Have they told you yet when the moratorium is lifting on transactions? Like when you're going to be allowed to make trades? Not, not as of uh, about five minutes ago when I checked my email. So we know it's coming, and you, you, we can roll with whatever it is. Just tell us when and, and what to do, and we'll be fine. So compared to a normal draft, you're picking ninth. The rumors are flying fast and furious about every team. Um, compared to a normal draft, do you feel like you have the same, more, less sufficient intel, medical, all that stuff on the guys you're interested in? I think we have uh, sufficient for sure. You always want more that you're missing the contacts, the the extra level, levels that we can usually get to in the summer right prior to the draft, seeing people up close, being at their workouts and stuff. But everybody has put in the body of work before uh, COVID shut down college basketball last year. So we have a lot to go on. We had all the Zoom interviews you could possibly want with draft prospects and you could still use the phone. You could still get a hold of people. So I think we, we're good. You always want more. Um, let's just, let's just talk about the elephant in the room instead of ignoring it. You have the single most coveted player, allegedly, maybe someday to be put on the trade market, but not now. I don't think in, in Bradley Beal, uh, with six days before the draft, I mean, you know, this, he'd be the bell of the ball if you made him available. Um, I assume the status quo remains. He is not available. You are not making calls. You're not taking calls or whatever, whatever phraseology you want to use, or am I wrong? No, that's correct. We're building this team around Bradley Beal. He's a tremendous human being. He's a tremendous player. He's exactly what we want to have here with the Washington Wizards. Uh, you know, last year was a very long season for everybody. We, we were missing a pretty big talent with John Wall, and that that uh, a lot of that fell on Bradley's shoulders to try to carry the franchise through some difficult times. We, we readjusted our entire roster. You know, uh, Zach, we have – Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, the only two players on our roster that played with John besides Bradley. So it's a brand new roster for him. When John comes back, he's got a lot of t- new teammates to deal with to meet. But certainly all this is around Bradley, and we move forward. Uh, Bradley's been a fantastic partner, you know, starting with last season, when, last offseason when he extended with us. And everything moving forward, he, he has always been just a tremendous partner. Uh, he's a great basketball player, but he's a great person, huge in our community. Huge in his community, huge in, in all the endeavors that he does off the floor, kind of encompasses everything we're trying to be about. So as of right now, no matter what offer comes in, Minnesota calls with X, whoever calls with X, you have no plans or intentions to move Bradley Beal. That's correct. 
what do you so what do you do because people call i assume people call you do you just throw your phone across the room or are you polite you're unfailingly polite you just very politely tell them can we talk about the election or can we talk about something else besides this Oh, you know, you're always trying to make your team better. There's other players to talk about. You know, who, who on your team can we talk about? Okay, well, let's talk about them. So they call the Wizards. Bradley Bill? No, we're building around him. So that, that, that ends that conversation, but you pivot to other players on their roster or what else is going around the league. So there's always plenty to talk about. Uh, you've seen John playing. I, I think you've gone. Have you gone to visit John? It, I visited John several times this summer. I visited Bradley as well. Uh, you know, you try to stay out of the gyms, but certainly I've watched his progress. Uh, he, John's got he's got more video than the Star Wars series out there on uh, on uh, Instagram and different places about himself. But uh, his progress has been tremendous. We're really excited to get him back on the court. Yeah, I don't care about the Instagram videos. I, I care about like I, I don't know if have you seen him play like more than ten consecutive minutes of basketball. I've had access to videos that are several scrimmages in a row, and he looks tremendous. Um, and so you're you're confident that we're going to get something like I mean I I feel like I don't even remember the last time I saw him play. It's been a long time. You, you're confident that you have the All Star backcourt that you had before. I would say when you come back from an injury and you've been out for two years, it'd be presumptuous to say it's the John Wall that left us. Uh, actually, I hope it's better than that one because at that time he was he was playing hurt. But when John and Bradley were at with full health, uh, you could take it back to the year we lost to Boston in the conference semifinals in game seven. That was a very impressive backcourt and something to build around. And that's what we find to do. But then life happens, right? And you get injuries and things happen and, and you have to move on. Like I said, we changed our roster around, but those two pillars are still here. And Bradley's done everything possible to improve his play while John's been out. Now you add John back to the mix. I think we got a formidable backcourt. And in the meantime, we added some young pieces. Uh, Thomas Bryan is, is showing down the middle. Drafted Rui Hachimura. We need to re-sign Davis Bertans. And then you got pieces to work with around that. And we're just trying to add depth, quality depth, and get better. Well, let's talk about that because there's been some Bertans rumors. I mean, you know better than I do that you could sign and trade Davis Bertans for lots of stuff. Uh, is he a part of your core going forward as you see it? Yeah, we ended the season saying that was our off-season priority, and that's that. Nothing's changed there. Avis fits our team perfectly. I think we fit him perfectly. Uh, the opportunity he had to play with Bradley Beal unlocked his his game, and, and he took it to you know he showed the whole league he's one of the best shooters. Now you add John Wall, who's over ten times a game. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to guard. Uh, somebody's going to be open on the court, and that's that makes it exciting for Davis. Let's talk about some of your young guys um, that went to the bubble. And and I think for better or worse, sort of their changed their perceptions a little bit. Let's start with Thomas Bryant. I, I'm very curious about Thomas Bryant. I've actually written he's been in my ten things column a few times because I'm intrigued by him. I'll just put it to you bluntly. Can Thomas Bryant be a starting center on a good playoff team, or is he a really, really good offensive spark plug backup center? Well, I, I think you gotta I never try to put a limit on a player, especially one so young like Thomas is. He's got to keep making progress. He's shown us he's a starting center for the Washington Wizards. And we want to be where you say, so he's going to have to show he's worthy of that. And I think he put in all the work. Now he's got to come in, produce. And that's not pressure on him. That's something we would talk about if he was sitting here with the three of us. Uh, Thomas knows he's got a great opportunity to play major minutes with two very good players, Bradley Beal, John Wall. Uh, he's going to get a lot. of The ball's going to find him. The ball finds energy. Thomas's game is based on his energy. 
and I think he's he's shown he's a three point shooter too. So where we're headed to, we want to be back in the playoffs. He's on our team. That's the hope. I, I think he can be a really dynamic offensive center. I don't think there's any question about that. And I was glad to see that was the single biggest change, I think, for any of your players in the bubble was that he took all the long twos. He didn't just dabble in threes. He was like, I'll take six, seven, eight a game. And he looked pretty smooth doing it. To me, the question is all about defense and rebounding because that, that's going to that's gonna determine uh, the answer to my question. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think we can do much better helping him by just containing the dribbler, right? There was so much penetration last year. We didn't do a great job of impacting the ball offensively. So Thomas is constantly under attack. You know, that gets a little old, certainly, and he's getting in foul trouble. And He's got to learn to keep his hands up, certainly move his feet, but he's made some progress. But we can certainly help defensively uh, stopping the ball and do a much better job before it ever gets to the pain attacks. And I think that's what we're working on. It's our big priority in the offseason. Uh, I put Rui Hachimura, second-team All-Rookie, on my ballot. Uh, we filled out those ballots before the bubble. Uh, I think if there was anyone on your team among the core young guys who people watched in the bubble and said, oh, that didn't quite meet my expectations, it's Rui. What do you think happened, and what do you think – how do you think he fits on next season's Wizards team? I think he's a perfect fit. and I, I, I take away from the bubble, it, it's kind of – it was – for us, I'm not saying it's a glorified summer league, not at all, but the bubble game showed us uh, an unlikely lineup of players out there. It didn't have Bradley, didn't have Davies, didn't have John. Everybody kind of had to step up a chair. And as you know, in a high school musical, you know, you start taking away the top line, the next line up doesn't sound as good. And that, for us, it was a great opportunity for Thomas to get a lot more shots than he'd normally get. Troy Brown the same way. What I think for, for, for us defensively, with Rui, I think he's gotten much better since uh, if you go back to the trade deadline, his defensive numbers were much improved. Rui was able to take a lot more threes in the bubble, and that's something we're really going to be on him to do to be effective for us. I think he needs to be able to spread the floor. But I think the, the games maybe you remember him were the tough games. He played very well early. Um, the last game he wasn't able to play in, so I give him a little incomplete. But the body of work for throughout the season – you know, he actually had three seasons, right? He started out, was playing great, got injured, came back, didn't miss a beat, was playing great, COVID, closed down, now you come to the bubble. That's a, that's a very bizarre rookie year for anybody. But for him, I think he proved he's, he's going to be somebody we can count on in the future to be a very consistent performer at his position, but he can guard other positions. Try to put the ball in his hands a little bit, let him guard threes. He's actually pretty good at guarding the big threes. And uh, we just got to build on that. But he's – there's a great body of work that says he had a good rookie season. Thanks for yeah. voting. Uh, I, I, thank you. Hey, look, don't, I, I, it, he was one of the last two guys on. I, I thought about it. I, 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 I like him as a player. I like his feel for the game. Is does he walk into camp as the starting four next year? Do, does is could, does Troy Brown have a chance to start at three? What where are we on the on the forward spots? Yeah, certainly. I think Rui is he's the incumbent there at the wing. There's going to be opportunities for Troy. There's going to be opportunities for Isak Bonga. Certainly, we got to wait till after draft and free agency and see how all that settles down. But uh, certainly, Rui coming in has the starting job. Troy ended the season as a starter, and he has to nail that down. Uh, but we, we like to just say, like players tell you what to do, Zach, by what they how they perform. If you deserve it, you're going to get what you deserve. Let's talk about the draft. You're picking ninth. There's rumors of trading up. There's rumors of trading down. I know you're not going to tell me any of that. I'm not. Yeah, even, I'm not, not, not even going to ask. Rumors, man. So, so let me. So let me ask you this. In terms of experience level, 
what kind of player are you looking for? Are you going to lean more? Well, do you want someone who's ready to come in and play 20 minutes a game right away? Or are you willing to be a little more patient? I think you have to balance whoever's there available when we, when we draft at nine. There's some players that we like in this draft that we think, hey, they could probably be in our rotation this year. And there's a couple of other players I said, look, we're going to have to be so incredibly patient. But in two years, three years, this is, a, this is a swing for the fences type player, but they might be much better in three years than anybody else in this draft. And then we're willing to wait. So we're not dying for a, a rotation player to the point where you're just going to draft somebody, force them in there, and in two years regret what you're doing. I don't think that's wise at all. But, you know, for the rumors, hey, I know Fleetwood Mac, that album coming back, it's got big hits on, on iTunes. <laughs> so that's the only rumors I listen to. That's a hell of an album. Um. I, I can't really comment intelligently about Fleetwood Mac. It's, 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 it's a bl- it's a blind spot in my in my music oeuvre oeuvre oeuvre. Um, actually, isn't my that's not my taste at all. My speed, but I'm just saying rumors are rumors. They're fun this time of year. Certainly, I, I don't envy you having to chase all of them down. I just know for us, we ignore the noise. Do what we have to do. So so okay. If it what sounds are, too good to be true, Zach, it usually is. That's that's definitely true in life. Um, I guess, I guess you can't assume this, but assuming some version of the status quo and John returns and all that, what are what are reasonable expectations for the Wizards next season? Because if you look at the East, all the good teams are right now, as things stand now, slated to still be pretty good. Sure. And, and Brooklyn is getting its big guns back. And that right there gets you to seven teams. And, yeah. you know, and we could, you know, Boston, Toronto, Miami – uh, Indiana, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, um, and am I missing one? Uh, Milwaukee, of course. That's seven, and so that leaves one one playoff spot. Like people talk about the East, and it has been this way, where you can sort of just limp into the six, seven, eighth spot. That's not going to be the case next year, at least as things stand now. So what's what's reasonable to expect of a healthy, let's say, Wizards team? Well, certainly you want to have a better record than we did last year on a seventy-two game season. I would hes- hesitate to give you a number. But I think with that backcourt, if it gels and we're able to get out there and stay healthy all year, certainly getting back to the playoffs is a goal. That's not the be-all, end-all. Our goal is to continue to get better, to add pieces, and give us a chance to be perennially successful. If we just said, hey, make it all in, let's go make or break uh, playoffs this year, that would really hinder our future. And that's what really what we're trying to show Bradley. Hey, you come here, you're going to have a chance to win every year, get to the playoffs every year and extend your playoff experience every year. And to do that, it does require some luck, certainly, but being patient is a priority for us. You don't want to do something that would really hinder your future. Yeah, I ask because, you know, in the past, you guys have made a a decent number of win-now trades. And it's not as if you gave up, you know, with the exception of, I think, the Randy Foy-Mike Miller trade, which is ages ago now. You traded a first-round pick for Bogdanovich and to get off Andrew Nicholson for Gortat, for Markeith Morris, Ubre for Trevor Ariza, I think kind of fits that bill, that bill a little bit. And again, all those trades are, you know, it's not like you gave up a top-five pick or a top-ten pick or whatever, but they add up a little bit, and they certainly sort of evince a team that is like hungry, 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 hungry to, t- to chase a little bit of short-term gain. Is it a challenge to resist those kind of trades while still building something that's good enough in the present day to convince Bradley, hey, we have enough going on here right now. We don't need to go get that guy and go get that guy and like hemorrhage the future a little bit? Yeah, you know, certainly I I learned from the past. I don't live there. I've been the GM for a year. 
and I don't think we're 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 not on the same wavelength as maybe some ways things were done in the past. But I do think the Gortat trade was one of the best trades. Uh, I do think uh, getting Markeith Morris uh, with that pick was a great trade. I, I go back to Antoine Jameson for Devin Harris. I do that trade in a million years. You know, we've done stuff on draft day certainly, but but for me and where I I, I see the Wizards collectively with with our coach, with our staff, our front office group, uh, is to do the right thing legacy-wise. We're, we're going to put the strongest team in place so it can grow for the future. That's the most important thing, to, to get that that little, that little that quick high off of two more wins, three more wins, and, and but what it costs you, a draft pick that could help you in the future, that's not worth it to us. But what we do want to do, we certainly want to give a little bit more veteran presence uh, to help finish games. You know, last year, I think we, we lost – 14 games we have fourth quarter leads in. And a lot of times it's just getting that, that that one shot that you don't take, the one stop that you didn't make, makes the difference. And rookies learn, you know, the hard way sometimes. And, and certainly this year, nice thing about having eight guys, 25 and younger, seven rookie contracts, those guys are all, you know, they still have opportunities to get better and learn. But sometimes you, you, you learn better sitting from sitting on the bench and letting somebody else show you how to do it than getting out there and getting cooked by yourself. I do remember a game where, we were we played Chicago here, and we had uh, we had the lead last second uh, situation, and where Isak Bonga made a foul right at the buzzer, and we ended up losing that game in overtime. And he learned from that. Later in the season, we had a similar circumstance. Isak stood up, stood tall, and we won a game. Same kind of situation. So watching his growth, and he's just 21. We, we think he's going to be an exciting defensive wing for us. But you have to let those guys get better, and the only way they can get better is by playing. Can you shoot it well enough? Can Bonga shoot it well enough to to reach that ceiling? I think he continues to evolve and he's improving. You know, you never know who shoots it well enough till you get out there and play the games. I saw the work put in, and I've been very impressed by his progress. Now you have seen you have seen a lot over the years. With how many years with the Wizards now? Like sixteen. This is I'm going into my seventeenth year. You've seen a lot. We don't have time to get into all the stuff you've seen, nor would you want to get into all the stuff you've seen. You would want to see some of the stuff I've seen. No, and a lot of it was was very public. But, um, you know, John got a lot of scrutiny for that Instagram video that came out with him partying and all that uh, in in the offseason. I don't particularly get bothered by stuff like that, but because it's John and the Wizards, it becomes a thing, right? So when something like that happens in your organization, like, what is it like for a GM? Are you on the phone with John right away? Is it a huddle yeah. up? Like what happens? Well, certainly it's very disappointing to see something like that. And, and knowing the person, the character of John Wall, you know, it's, it's just a difficult conversation, but you can't get framed if you're not in the picture, right? And we could say that's not who you are, that's not who you are. But if you're in that photo, a photo goes around the world before you have a chance to explain it. He made a tone for it immediately. He apologized. The incident, you got to put the past in the past. Like I said before, Learn from the past. Don't live there. If now, if it happens again, now you got a situation where you say, "Okay, you didn't learn from that." I think John learned plenty there. It, it certainly hurt him. It hurt the franchise, but he made a tone for it, and we got to move on. You, you accept an apology, and, and as long as it doesn't happen again, you, you know, hey, we all learned from that. But certainly, it didn't represent who John Wall really is. If you look in the millions of dollars he's donated to charity, the hours and things that he does can be undone by one photo. So that that was kind of our our big uh, conversation. Certainly, he knows I was disappointed. I've watched John grow up. You know, I, when he came into the league, 18, 19 years old, now he's 30 years old, has two kids. We used to talk about everything but having, you know, where now, you know, I, I talk to him about how to tell your 
tell your kids to go to bed, how to get them to go to sleep before we used to talk about basketball. So we both evolved. He's a father. I'm a father. We have more to talk about. But something like that betrays his true character. That wasn't that's not who he was, but that's what the photo showed or the video, whatever you're saying. But we put that behind us. Uh, I think John made he, he the, the best way to learn is if it happens again, then, then you didn't learn from it. Right. So hopefully it doesn't happen again. I, I have to say, I, I've said all this before, both to John and publicly, like, I really hope we get John Wall back because I, I think I have I did a whole Sports Center video essay about this. I think he's actually an underrated passer and his floor vision, because he's, he's at his peak anyway, he's so fast and so explosive. I think his vision and his anticipation has gotten overlooked, but damn, is he fast and explosive. And John damn. in the open court is one of the most exciting things in the NBA full stop and i've also said this like everyone you know the wizards you probably feel this everyone like oh so wizards hashtag that's so wizards you know there's javale trying to dunk from the foul line and blatch and this people laugh at that the wizards a little bit here and there but like john and brad have been no joke in the playoffs and you can say it's the second it's the east blah 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 you you destroyed the raptors one year you beat the bulls one year you pushed the pacers one year you might beat the the in the same year you beat the raptors you advance to play the 60 win hawks you might win that series if john doesn't break his wrist like i can i can tell you from talking to people around the league all those years like no one's excited to play wall and and beal in the playoffs like no one looks the the, the sheer talent of those two like gets the attention of the best teams. It's not like they're, they're not scared of them, but it gets it gets their attention. And actually, you know, you look at some teams like, again, it's West versus East. Like the Clippers won three playoff series in seven years or something like that. Like you guys have won, it's again, different conferences, but I think there's a tendency to sort of gloss over that these guys have done pretty well in important moments. Yeah, absolutely. Brad and John, they've, they've shown in playoff atmosphere that their game raises up. But – you know, I don't. I ignore the noise, Zach. When you refer to guys, hey, Javale and Andre, you know, those guys haven't been here for 10, 12 years. So if people want to keep talking about that, you know, I, I kind of. What can you do if people want to dwell in the past? I really focus on this year's team and what's ahead of us. We're really exciting. We, like I said, we got two players left from when John last played, so it's a totally different roster. Scotty Brooks is a proven coach. When he has a healthy team, we have forty-nine wins. When he, when we had a healthy team, we were going to the playoffs. We got to give him a healthy team and let's see what he can do. I know what John and Bradley can do, and I can't say enough about them, their ability to rise rise their game up in the playoffs. And certainly I think we can do it again, like you said. And our biggest challenge right now is to manage expectations as we get to the starting line, uh, make sure everybody's in the best shape, we're in the best health. And then, you know, the whole rest of the season, one of the words we're going to speak of every day is respect your fellow man, the compliance that's going to require everybody to live a safe, healthy life for each other. You know, this is where we're really going to have to to be the brotherhood and everybody let's 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 take care of ourselves for each other. Is there anyone in this draft? I don't know where you guys ranked on defense last year, but it was not good. Uh is there anyone in this draft who can step in and help your defense? I think there's several players that could, for sure, but what's really going to help us is a healthy John Wall continuity a little bit more repetitions that we, whenever we had a chance to get on a good defensive run, it was after the trade, after the trade deadline. And certainly, you know, that changed the complexion of a team that was 30th. The only reason we were 30th is because there's only 30 teams, right? But we went, from, <laughs> we went from 30th to 14 pretty quick. And really that's just a couple more stops a game, a couple more 50, 50 balls. And what we've got to do a better job on is forcing misses. 
we got to do a better job defensive rebounding. I think those things will take care of itself. And John was on the all-defensive team at one time. Bradley, when he doesn't have to play 48 minutes and 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 carry the load offensively, Bradley's one of the better two-way players in the NBA. So I know our defensively, our backcourt can get back and help us get that down. And then it's going to come up to everybody else. Hey, just do your job. Don't worry about everybody else here or there. You know how bigs get and they get a little help side comes over and they get sensitive and all of a sudden they, nobody wants to leave their man. Nobody wants to come help. We got to relieve all that stress. Hey, do your job, do what was asked and everything works itself out. And that's where we're, our emphasis has really been. Our coaches have been just laboriously pouring over ways to get better defensively. And Scotty's got a good, good training camp plan and we're excited for what's ahead. Speaking of you, we're talking about John and fatherhood and how you guys talk about that. Um, you have, a little bit of an unusual family setup uh, for school that I think you were like ahead of the game when the pandemic hit. Could you please explain to listeners who may not know what is going on in the Shepherd household pre-COVID? Well, Zach's referred to my wife and I of 27 years. We have seven children and we, we homeschooled. We made a decision when we got married, we were going to homeschool our children because we assumed at that time I was working at UNLV, but we assume if you're going to be in athletics you're going to get fired every couple of years and have to move around and do all this well fast forward 27 years i've been two places but uh <laughs> it all, we've we've homeschooled our children so uh we've had two graduate from college two in college and three on their way so so far so the hardest part is the the pta meetings when the you know the kids want the teacher fired and the teacher wants everybody out suspended i'm the dean for that the dean of mean but you know Zach, I, during throughout COVID, I've been trying to help my children with their homework, and I, I kind of hear it in their voice. I leave the room, and they say, "Hey, you got to help me. Dad just screwed this all up." And so now I'm pretty much I'm in charge of lunch and PE, and and try to help those kids out when I can. But my wife is a saint. The, the homeschooling's been great, and and they've been able to help their friends a little bit adjust. You know, with it when, when you when you're a homeschool kid, you kind of recognize when it's, when it's new. You know, I think everybody they're, they're great at making friends so quickly. But the Zoom stuff, they're doing Zoom. They're, they have, they do a co-op school as well two times a week. So they're on Zoom and they get that piece. But everybody's missing their friends no matter where you're at. And that's hard. So what do you do? I mean, I don't even know what – like what, how I, there are ways to find curriculum and all this. But like what do you do? Like if a kid came to – if a senior in high school came to me and was like, this chemistry problem is <laughs> flummoxing me. I would be, I would just say, well, you're out of luck. You ask a chemistry teacher. Like, I wouldn't know what the hell I'm supposed to, I don't know anything. Yeah, it is difficult. What I do is I call my wife. I say, hey, Junior here's got a question for you. Because she, she's she's a pretty good solution-based person for that. A lot of the stuff that kids are doing, their, their curriculum is driven. And it's it's pretty follow, you can follow step by step. And there's, they actually have people that you can, tutors that they can tune into that can help them through the, the most more difficult things as they get older. But uh, I think one thing that, that homeschools allowed for us, for our children, is, is really allow them to be logical thinkers, to, to, to continue to pursue the correct answers and, and, and think for themselves. And that's it gets tested often, for sure. And, and certainly they know not to ask me because I don't know half of what they know. But I think the, it, the results for us have been fantastic. I don't go out and recommending it to people. But if people ask me, it's been great for us. Last question, I'll let you go. I, I thought one of the, the the cool kind of subplots of, of the spring and summer in the NBA was uh, you guys have been out in front as an organization on a lot of social justice issues and a lot of COVID relief issues. But in particular, Bradley Beal and Natasha Cloud 
of the Mystics kind of becoming like a tag team of, uh, and Brad writing about and talking about this is the first time he's voted and all that stuff. Was, was that, was that cool for you to see? I mean, it seemed, it seemed as if they sort of took organically took leadership of it. Like no one pushed them. It's almost like the organization saw them taking the lead and said, okay, let's, let's join them. They're, they're taking this, they're, they're taking this as their own. And certainly they were the beacons of hope in a very despairing time. But when you go back to, you know, the original statement that, that the Wizards crafted, that the Mystics did, and then certainly joint stuff that they've done since. But the, the March on Juneteenth, uh, Bradley is an amazing leader. And and it, I, I really can't give he and Natasha enough credit for standing up on their beliefs, encouraging people. The time that we were in the bubble, uh, some of the access that we had to great people that, it, that just only emboldened all of our players and our education level from Stacey Abrams uh, all the way through. We, we've just had some amazing access. And what was what was the Stacey Abrams thing? I don't remember that. Stacey Abrams did a Zoom call with our team with the Mystics as well, and and was re- basically laid out her plan of what was going to happen in this election month on that election day. Her 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 story about how she completely got screwed over being the governor of Georgia, and that makes sure you know when you realize that she helped over 800,000 people register to vote and you look at the election results and you don't tell me, tell me that she didn't make a difference. And she convinced all of our players, you can stand up and make a difference. We had people register to vote in the bubble. And so much of that was inspiring, but our story was inspiring to her too. And I cannot give enough credit to John Thompson, the third, to Sashi Brown, to Sashia Jones, to, it starts with Ted Leontis's leadership. But they, behind the scenes, have made so many things available to our players. If it was Malcolm Jenkins, Ibram Kendi, we've, we've had the best of the best speak to our players, inspire our players, and they take it from there. And certainly for them, I, I told all of our players, I stand with you, I stand next to you, your voice, our support. There's nothing that we can do. Uh, that, that's going to take us backwards. But we're all going to be challenged. You know, the bubble's over. We're out. There's a new world we're, we're going into. We cannot recede. We have to move forward. We have to continue to push forward on these social justice issues and stand for what we said we're going to stand for. You know, if you can do what you say, say what you do, then you've accomplished it. T-shirt slogans and stuff like that, they fade. But your actions are really what people are going to judge you on. And I think I have no no problems whatsoever. I have extreme confidence. Bradley's going to continue to lead us, Natasha, in those areas. But with the support of our ownership group, and like I said, Sashia, Sashi, John Thompson, those those people have been wonderful uh, support system for us as we move forward. Well, you're in the right town uh, to, to, that. to get some good meetings, to take some good meetings. Uh, listen, you've got a lot to do. The draft is coming up. Trades are going to come flying. I appreciate you making a little time. One day we'll do this over a beer in Vegas and we can tell some good old wizard stories and, and, and UNLV stories and stuff like that. Now is not that time. You got work to do. Tommy Shepard, sincerely, good luck. Um, and uh, it's a big off season. Uh, good, good luck to you. Hey, Zach, thank you very much. It's great to see you. And I, I can't say enough about your support system. I mean, you guys have a great day. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing. On your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream 
your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. All right. It's finally time. The universe did not want us to do this podcast. First, there was a plague. Uh, then Daryl Morey got hired by the Sixers. <laughs> then there was an election. But finally, we are doing the podcast I've been dreaming of doing. The Orlando Magic WTF has happened in the last 10 years podcast with I, maybe a top five most famous Orlando Magic fan oh, in God. the world. Definitely the most famous Orlando Magic fan in the media. Kevin Clark of The Ringer. How are you? I'm okay. I, I am not a top five famous Magic fan. We have some golfers. Scott Stapp from Creed. Oh, that is... We're off to a brutal start. <laughs> right, right, right off the bat. I just want to say, first of all, let's just start by saying this. I don't really follow the NFL uh, I will read your stories because they are so innovative and so well done. Oh, and I so and I am a devotee, if that's how you say that word, a devotee of Slow Newsday, which is absolutely one of the most delightful creations on the internet. The background music, uh, <laughs> the, the the use of the newspaper, Club Kevin. I watch as many as I can. There's something soothing about it and funny, and it's just, it's all yours. It's something that stands apart from anything else that is out there, so I want to congratulate you on that. That means the world come from you, buddy. Um, well, I, longtime listeners know I am fascinated by the plight. It's a plight now of the oh, Orlando it's Magic. It's, it's a plight. Uh, and so I just want to, I just need to know what it's like to follow this team and what you want going forward. And luckily, we have a news peg to help us. So Kevin Clark... Do you want the Orlando Magic to try to trade for Russell Westbrook, who has maybe not requested a trade, but wants, quote unquote, wants out? Do you want them to? There's only like four or five teams where it's not on its face yeah. insane for them to trade for Russell Westbrook. And your Orlando Magic are one of them. What do you want, Kevin Clark? I want Russell Westbrook. I don't know if he would want to come. I mean, if you have a house party and you open the door and Keanu Reeves is there, you're going to let Keanu Reeves in. But you're going to say, what, what are you what are you doing here, Keanu Reeves? And that's sort of how I feel about Westbrook. I don't know why he would want to come. But when I look at this team, listen, no one, no one, I'll, I'll, I'll go against anybody here. No one has produced more guys over the past eight years who would be the fourth best player on a finals team in the Magic. Okay. And that's their ceiling. We, we just collect those guys. And at some point that's got to end. And I saw, you know, so Dan Devine from the Ringer put out a fake, fake trade last night. And he said, Gordon Ennis and Markel Fultz, for Westbrook. And the vitriol he received from Magic fans surprised me and surprised him. And a lot of people said, there's a lot of talk, oh, well, that doesn't fit the timeline. And I understand the timeline got screwed around by the Jonathan Isaac injury and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're kind of saying, what, what timeline? Where is this going? Who's running these Doctor Strange simulations that, that tell us, you know, one billion yeah. times over where this is going? Because I've seen what this core is, and we'd only have the non-taxpayer mid-level going forward. Uh, not a lot of spending flexibility. Uh, we can trade Gordon or, or Vooch and, and sort of understand the, the return we're going to get, but we're not going to get a superstar. And this is this is a team begging for an all-star. And, you know, the original sin, and I think Hammond and Wellman are way better front office guys than Hennigan was. But the original sin of the Magic is that the last two 
regimes have felt that shooting can be developed and scoring can come later and all that stuff. And it just hasn't happened. And I, the last four years, they haven't been above 24th in scoring in, in the NBA. The defense has gotten much better under Clifford, thank God. That's why they're able to make the playoffs now. But I, I just think I went from reading Aaron Gordon for Kelly Oubre rumors two days ago to Aaron Gordon for Russell Westbrook. And for me, that's an upgrade. I don't think that the the ceiling is very high on this particular group. You know, I, I remember something very clearly. Adrian Wojnarowski did a podcast with uh, Rusillo last last fall, and they said in player movement, you're just waiting for the next guy to get pissed off, and that's what the Magic have been waiting for. And now they have that, and I don't think they will because they're a more conservative front office. But I would love to see them make this move because, you know, I, it would diminish Russell Westbrook's career to say that he's he's our he would be the Magic's Jimmy Butler. But he would be the guy who kind of he's the superstar where everything would flow through it. And you'd kind of get to see if there's a culture and where the other pieces fit. The funny thing is when, when you talk to people about some of the um, more woebegone teams in the NBA potentially trading for Russ, you hear like, well, you know, it'll help them sell tickets. And you're like, wait a second. There are no tickets. This, there's no, t- there's a, no one can go to games like that's not even an applicable argument. So you're younger than I am. I, I believe it's the monorail episode of the Simpsons. Yes. Um, is that the one with the escalator to nowhere? As remember the escalator to nowhere, where people are just riding the escalator and they just fall off and die. As one uh, yes, of, as one of Springfield's great investments of the past. Um, that's the timeline that the Magic are on right now. Their timeline is the escalator to nowhere. So there is no timeline. I, I agree with you. Um, that Dan Devine trade. So the challenge of trading for Russ for the Magic is obviously the contract is the contract, but you have to give him a team to play with. Right. Right. Like you have you have to give him like you can't if you trade Gordon plus Fournier plus something, he's going to get there and like, OK, cool. Vooch is still here. Um, if Fultz right. is still there, that's a pretty terrible fit. Fultz and Russ together, which is yeah. probably why Dan put him in the trade. But you can't just trade for him and give him like no veterans to play with. And Jonathan Isaac is hurt. So Al Farouk Aminu is now your starting power forward if you trade Aaron Gordon. So he gets there and he's like cool like i get to play rust ball again like that's fun like i get to play the way i want to play but i don't really have a team here that can do anything but it sounds like you've reached a point with the magic where i have where you just want to shake it up just like spin a wheel let's like spin a couple spin a magic wheel and then a wheel of all available players on other teams and just whatever they land on let's make a trade yeah, that's the point I've reached because I've seen the ceiling, which is that in game one against good teams the last two years, they've been frustrated by our length. And and listen, the, the team, the Magic's length and, and, and the front office really loves length and athleticism. And that shows up in the playoffs sometimes. They get hot from the three-point line and they steal a game. And I just don't know what would be needed to progress beyond that except a superstar or a total sort of soft rebuild. And I, I, I don't, I think it's much easier to just take the superstar that might be available than try to do the soft rebuild or, you know, Kevin O'Connor's talked about the magic trying to get into the lottery, the mid lottery. I understand all that, but you know, I, I cover the NFL and the shortest and easiest path to contention every single year is a great quarterback. And that's true of superstars in the NBA. And instead of saying, why don't we make four low key moves? The answer is just to get a superstar. So I am of the theory, I would do anything. Listen, I'm going to be 90 years old living in Boca Raton golfing every day and saying, Magic could use a little more scoring. Magic could use a little more scoring. I mean, I've been doing this for eight years. And to get a scoring superstar would be unbelievable. It would, it would not solve all our problems. This would not be perfect. But I just need a shake up here, okay? Does he make you any better? than 
the eighth seed that you currently already are, or are you just more fun? Is it just a okay. more fun eighth seed? So with Isaac, which would be two years from now, that's that's a four or five seed. I think Isaac, he's the only Whoa! person. He, he's the only person on the roster right now who does anything elite. Okay. Uh, I think you're looking more at six, seven, eight seed right now, we, we, as current as currently constructed with Westbrook. But you're looking at fun. You're looking at just just unlock the other pieces and and see what you have, and see. I I just think that there's you need some fun. And listen, this has not been a fun eight years. And, and the worst part of it, Zach, is you can't even sound smart when you're analyzing them. We, we've gotten out of the wilderness a little bit. But in you know 2014, 2015, 2016, it's everything was so wrong you couldn't even put your finger on what was wrong. I mean, like in crunch time, the Magic would just you know they would lose games because someone fell down or someone threw, <laughs> threw the ball out of bounds or you know I mean you just there wasn't any there wasn't any you know I remember the, the low point I remember I didn't watch a game for a week because our crunch time play was called for Shabazz Napier who missed it you know and it's like what are we doing here and so I I, I think there needs to be a light at the end of the tunnel as far as the reward goes. There's a famous, not famous, but there's a play that always I remember where Hazonia, who they picked fifth in the 2015 draft, I believe, was on like a four on one and tried this fancy no look behind the back pass that went out of bounds. And you could see Frank Vogel just die, like just just like a little bit of him died. And I remember I texted Frank like a, a, a clip, just a clip like. Hey, you hanging in? And he didn't respond. And I was like, maybe that was maybe that was mean. Maybe that was too mean of me to text. My, my, the, my, the first game that my now wife, then girlfriend went to in Orlando was 2013, I think. And the la- we lost on the last play of the game because Gustavo Ione, who had the ball to win the game, was fouled and then missed the free throws. And I remember looking at her and saying, you know, this is uh, it's probably good that you're getting you're getting acclimated to this so quickly. Do you remember how you got Gustavo Ion? I do. It was a sign and trade with Ryan Anderson. So, so of the many themes of the what the f- happened since the Dwight Howard trade, one of them is you can forgive a lot of what they've done, and we'll talk about their draft history. Okay, which is actually I don't think quite as bad as it as it no. appears. They just their complete failure to maximize uh, like fringe assets and players is like criminal and signing and trading Russ Ryan Anderson to the Pelicans for Gustavo Ione is like, how, how did this happen? And like they, they home run trade for Tobias Harris, right? Like they trade yeah. JJ Redick to the bucks and they get Tobias Harris, who is everyone's like sexy. Why isn't he playing more prospect develops? Okay. In Orlando, then in what I can only assume is a fit of rage and impatience from Scott Skiles, who was the coach of the Orlando Magic for a very short period of time, and maybe the business side as well, they give Tobias Harris to the Pistons for the expiring contracts of Ursan Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings, which is one of five trades in the last 10 years that when it happened, I was like, this is incorrect information. This can't possibly be the trade. So there, it's fitting that your girlfriend, now wife, uh, that Gustavo Ione, forgotten and NBA yeah. player, and I don't even know where Gustavo. It's fitting that she was was um, integrated into Magic fandom through Gustavo. Ayone. Absolutely, uh, what an experience for her. Um, so can we can we just run through just for fun the other plausible Russell Westbrook? Um, Absolutely. So uh, the Athletic just reported already. So they're spoiling this. 
the, to me, the single most plausible one in the NBA is the Charlotte Hornets, which yes. is what the, the, the Athletic is now reporting that they've emerged as a suitor. I actually don't know that that's true. I poked around a little bit last night and got a little too early to talk about kind of uh, feedback. Um, but they're just a team that's like, well, what else, what else do we have going on? Like, what, what, what else are we going to, why not? So like you have, Nick, <laughs> Nick, you have a, you have an expiring contract of Nick Batum, which is $27 million. You, Nick Batum plus Terry Rozier done. Let's wash our hands of it. The question is like, what does Houston have to get back? Like if they get back a load of nothing, and I actually don't think Terry Rozier is a load of, of nothing. Terry Rozier is a decent player who could play with James. Batum has aged apparently 25 years in the span of 18 months. I don't know what happened to him. Um, but if you don't get back enough where James says, oh, okay, like I, I get what you did here, then you've just accelerated the James Harden unhappiness to a right. dangerous point. So it, it's that complicates them. So Charlotte, but that, that complicates um, any rust trade is that Houston, I would assume, wants something back that helps their team. So Knicks... I said on TV yesterday that I was, I think I said I would be surprised if the Knicks were super interested. I'm going to walk that back a little bit and say this. Um, I don't know the Knicks interest level right now. They have been projecting some form of patience or, or by Knicks standards patience um, during this prolonged offseason. But they are one of the teams that could literally get Russell Westbrook for free. I mean, they have the cap yeah. space. So they renounce a couple guys, decline a couple options. They don't need to trade Houston anything for Russell Westbrook. But that again raises the possibility of or the, the question of um, Houston probably needs to get something back. And I don't know what the Knicks have that would interest them, but given their cap flexibility, I'm not going to disqualify the Knicks um, and their record of impatience here and there. Frankly, I'm not going to disqualify the Knicks. Are there any other teams that are interesting to you, Kevin Clark, besides the magic? No, I mean, I think the Knicks would be fun. I, I think it would be very Knicks for him to go to a team like Charlotte and then go to the Knicks afterwards. Just like okay. last year, he's, he's he cost forty million dollars in twenty twenty two, and it's like, yeah, it's time, take over the garden, win thirty three games. Well, hopefully, maybe selling tickets by then. I don't know if the plague is, <laughs> if the plague is over. I don't. We're not really doing great with the plague. It's not going well. Um, at least up here in the Northeast, we're, we're not doing very well. well. Oh, I'm in um, Florida. We uh we can't exactly pound our chest down here. I don't know what I just. I've been to Florida a lot of times. It's really it's something. My favorite, my favorite team, if it were plausible, is Chicago. That would yes. be the most fun team because you have Otto Porter's expiring contract, and Otto Porter like can play with James. Thaddeus Young can play with James. Boom, done. The math works. You throw Russ in there with Levine, Markinen, Carter. Just let him go crazy. Create shots for everybody. Like sell some theoretical tickets in Chicago where everyone is so discontented with the franchise at this point. Or now, obviously hopeful with this new front office regime mm -hmm. um and you know boom have a little fun for a couple of years what's wrong with that become a little bit of a problem in the eastern conference like a minor problem but a problem alas i don't i've never talked to billy donovan well i've talked to billy donovan about russell westbrook on the record it's mostly been vanilla stuff i don't i i don't know that he took that job with the thought of oh i might coach russell westbrook again that seems to be an impediment to me is there any team that in the Eastern Conference, that Westbrook makes a legitimate finals contender. Any realistic team? Yeah. I don't think any realistic yeah. team. I, okay. I don't think any of the – I mean, you could build some crazy deals where he goes to Philly, but I just don't see any of that 
um, I don't see anything like that transpiring. But, you know, look, you can be surprised. I'm just going to pick this, look at the standings now. Like, I don't think Boston gets involved. I don't think Toronto gets involved. I don't think Milwaukee, Miami, no. Indiana, he wouldn't make a contender. Brooklyn is probably almost certainly a no. Yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, Okay. Detroit will get mentioned too. Detroit okay. will get mentioned too as again just sort of a why not we have Blake Griffin's contract. Uh I that one would surprise me a little bit. Look, I get surprised all the time. The NBA is crazy. I I just see Detroit as as probably not um probably not. So you but you're rooting for this. You want just shake it up. Let's have some fun. I'd like to see something. Yes. I I just I can't do another year, especially with the Isaac injury. The Isaac injury screws up our timeline so much because I, I think there's a lot of projection you could throw on there where you say, okay, well, he develops and maybe they, they climb up the strings, all that stuff. And and now that that's not there, I've just, I've seen this movie before. I've seen Fournier and Vucevic and, and if Gordon stays Gordon and Terrence Ross, like I, this, I, I know what this looks like. I've seen it enough. We're all set there. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's retrace some history. (laughs) Where were you and what was your reaction when Dwight Howard was traded? I I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, covering my first NFL training camp. Wow. And it was during... So the... Wall Street Journal, where I was working at the time, uh, covers the Olympics wall to wall. And so they were just like, do whatever you need to do with training camp. You're not writing an NFL piece until after the Olympics. So so do whatever. So I remember being very relaxed in Green Bay, Wisconsin, just getting a little research. And then I saw this. And it was a relief a little bit. It was almost, it was the same feeling I get when you ever in like a thunderstorm on an airplane and then you just get out of it and you realize you're just not going to be in a thunderstorm anymore. It's It, it was that sort of feeling where it's like, okay, we don't have to do, we don't have to do, oh, is he going to Brooklyn? Is he going to sign the tender? Is What's he going to do? And so I was a little bit, I was a little bit taken aback by the return. And obviously, you know, as far as getting Vucevic, I mean, that was actually pretty good. Um, but I remember, I was wondering why, why we didn't just take Andre Iguodala at the time um, or, or some of those other, you know, win now pieces. I think that that, 
the trade ended up not being a total disaster because of that. But I think that the 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 moves after that uh, were just there was just no sustainability. And so it was I ended up I was sort of um, as neutral as you can be when when your favorite team trades a superstar. But I, uh, you know, I, I, I think it, it history reflects OK on it. Yeah, the trade has aged pretty well. I mean, Harkless is in there. Afalo became a good player for them that they turned into Aaron uh, Evan Fournier. Uh, you're, you're, you have some Afalo oh, no, remarks? No, no, I have a Harkless remark, which is Harkless is another example of an asset we had that we renounced for nothing. We traded nothing. to Portland for a 2020 second round pick, top 55 protected. Which is the NBA's version of nothing. That's the yes. NBA's version of yes. we, have a, we have a rule that something has to be traded. This has been negotiated as the absolute minimum fake thing to satisfy the the rule that somebody had both sides of a trade have to get something. So that's a fake pick. That's not a pick. You, yes. that, that's nothing. And look, Mo Harkless isn't changing anyone's life, but he's like he, he's a decent NBA player. Like when you when you when you repeatedly just lose guys like that for zero, there is like a cumulative opportunity cost of like what what could we have had here that we don't we don't. Uh, we don't have now, but I, I, I thought the Dwight trade has aged well. I mean, they may be the winners of the Dwight Howard trade <laughs> nine years later or eight years yeah. later. Um, their journey after that is one of the strangest eight-year odysseys, and it's still going, of any team that I can remember in modern NBA history. You pick any moment you want. Where do you want to start? What is the strangest one? What was the most disheartening one? What was the one that made you feel most hopeful? Pick any moment yeah. of the last eight years and we can riff from there. I think you'd have to start with the Oladipo trade. The trading, Summer, the trade of Oladipo to Oklahoma City. To Oklahoma City. City for Sabonis and Serge Ibaka. Sabonis goes to Oklahoma City in that Yes, case. yes. Yeah. We, we, the Magic had drafted him. I think that was... A last gasp effort, and also Bismack Biombo was signed that year. Uh, that was just betting on a strategy that made no sense at the time. It continued to make no sense. Uh, the Magic had to offload Ibaka for Terrence Ross, which obviously he's he, off the bench. He's, he's a great scorer, but they just made so many of those trades that there was a point, and this is probably true of every point in history with the magic rebuild that the players we had given away or traded would have destroyed the current team at any time. And that was the problem with, with that trade. So you end up getting rid of Oladipo who obviously would have solved all of our problems. Had he developed the way he, he later developed in, in Orlando. And we ended up with, with Terrence Ross, fine player, not Oladipo. Let's flip that around. Oklahoma city trades Serge Ibaka. Come on a little trip with me, Kevin. Okay. They turned Serge Ibaka into Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. They turned DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo into Paul George. They turned Paul George into five first-round picks, two pick swaps, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So in a roundabout way, they turned Serge Ibaka, nice player, into five first-round picks, two pick swaps, and a guy that I think will make one or more all-star teams in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That is... that is I don't that's incredible that's just absolutely an incredible journey of transactions it's not incredible if you understand the deep nuanced history of Orlando Magic transactions it's 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 the exact outcome I would have predicted like yes Oklahoma City will take these assets and flip them it's all it's very similar the Patriots had this with Jimmy Garoppolo where they traded Jimmy Garoppolo and then they ended up 
just end up with like 20 picks because they just kept tra- kept trading them and trading them and trading them until they just had everything. Um, that's what smart teams do with assets. You know, I mean, you can go down the list, by the way. We gave a, and I'm not saying Kylo Quinn is anything, but they just renounced Kylo Quinn for, or they traded him for a second round pick, just like Harkless. Uh, they, they did that. Dwayne Dedman, they just renounced him for, oh, that's for, a good for one. yeah, for no reason. Wave Joe that, Harris. Wave Joe Harris. Uh, you know, Scott Skiles, by the way, when he, he threw his tantrum and traded to Harris, he just quit a couple months later. He just quit. Unbelievable. And, 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 and reports are, if you read those stories at the time that he wanted to quit before the Harris trade. So he was sabotaging the team when he knew he was going to quit. So it was unbelievable. So I, when I hear that, that the, the thunder taking those assets and turning them into, into positive things for, you know, six, seven years, uh, I'm not surprised because the, we, the, that is par for the course for, for that, that Hennigan front office. Well, it's, it's, Hennigan became the the fall guy, right? I think there was a lot of business side pressure on them yeah, to, to, chase the the, to chase the yeah. playoffs. And look, they have made the playoffs now two years in a row. They are the kings of game one. How is how do you how did you react when they won game one in Toronto and then again in Milwaukee? Did you did part of your soul say maybe maybe we can maybe or did, were you just like let's just get it over? Why did we even prolong? Why did we so, even pull this off in Toronto? I thought maybe. This year, I had seen I had seen enough from last year to understand it. What I would say, the funny thing that's now developed is the game one every year. I'm so sure we're going to lose, so I don't invite anybody over. I just sit there, I watch the game analytically, whatever, and then I get hyped, and then I invite everybody over for game two, and we just get destroyed. And then it's like, why why did I do this? Why did I, why did I believe like this? So um, I think that I think that Toronto. I actually flew to Orlando to watch that Toronto series. And uh, the, the games in Orlando. Game four, and, I recall, is a, a competitive game where it was like Orlando gave it their best shot, and Toronto had to play pretty well to win that game and go up three one. Yeah, I sure it was game. I think it was game. That might have one, been game one of the, one of the games in Orlando was like the gut punch game where Orlando gave it a run and Toronto rallied and won. Yeah, so I was not at that game. I was at the game where. Uh, the Magic waved the white flag, and we just saw okay. you know, Pascal Siakam bully the entire Magic roster into into quitting. So that that was uh, that was less fun. Did you boo? <sighs> Did I boo? Uh, I probably there were probably some booing. There was probably some booing. I wouldn't have booed against the the Bucks this year because I now understand the limits of the team. But there there was probably some booing. So 2016. Let's just just re- let's revisit the summer of yes. 2016 for a second. Yes. Great. They trade for Serge Ibaka, which I thought was actually – I was kind of an Oladipo pessimist that he ended up proving me very wrong. I actually thought that trade was like semi-defensible. Um, it became less defensible when they paid Bismack Biombo $72 million or whatever it was. Um, and they already had Nick Vucevic on the team. So yeah. that's two and a half centers depending on how you classify uh, Serge Ibaka. They already had Aaron Gordon on the team who needs yeah. to play four, but this is the ongoing saga of the Magic. They have small ball fours that always end up playing three from Tobias Harris to Aaron Gordon. Then they were like, we got some money laying around. Jeff Green, you want $15 million yeah. to come on in? Like, And like, I, you look at that. In, 20, in the year of our basketball gods, 2016, an NBA team had Bismack Biombo, Serge Ibaka, Nick Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Jeff Green on the same team and all making a ton of money. That yeah. is, I just remember being astonished. Like I, 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 it's still astonishing. 
It's still astonishing. Yeah, J- Jody Meeks uh, was on that team. I mean, the, the funniest, I think the best thing about the Magic is just you get to learn about bottom of the roster guys throughout the league. Like I was trying, I was looking up this morning, just trying to figure out the funniest person who's played for the magic. I think it's Josh. I think it's Josh McRoberts. Oh, that hurt. I like Josh McRoberts. I like Josh McRoberts too, but I liked him a lot less when he played for my favorite team. Can I tell you my funny, the funniest magic moment other than the Hazonia pass that sticks in my head? I bet you remember this. Do you remember (laughs) opening game of the 2013, 14 season? Magic Pacers, I think. Yeah. Andrew Nicholson like explodes for like twenty points on like eight of nine shooting, and the and because it's the first game of the season, it's like the first nerd league pass game of the season. Yeah. All of Twitter is like Andrew Nicholson is like number two trending topic. They've really found something in Andrew Nicholson. I bet that's his career high. Do you remember that game? I for some reason I remember it like vividly. I remember it vividly too, and I also remember believing in Andrew Nicholson. Because there's a St. Bonaventure sort of group in media, That's and right. I know them, I had been talked into Andrew Nicholson being the next great, you know, we're going to have to, to, to retool the top 50 NBA players of all time to make room for, for Andrew Nicholson. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's what I was believing going into that. And so I was like, oh, man, the hype is real. It's happening. It's happening. Because the thing is, and, and this, is, this sort of goes to your point about Ibaka, is everything with Hennigan always felt well thought out. And so I always was able to sort of justify it on the front end and say, hey, this is going to work. Andrew Nicholson, eye for talent. Here we go. And it turned out that, that, that Hennigan was actually quite a good doubles hitter, but that's just not how you how you build a team. And so, yes, it is. The the, the summer of 2016 was kind of the year where we, we started to all sort of realize that this this was heading in, in no direction that was that was productive. Well, and if you t- it, to, to your point about what you just said about Rob Hennigan, if you go back at their draft and look at their draft history, they're kind of the story of like how much luck you actually need yeah. when you play the lottery. So in 2013, that's the infamous Anthony Bennett draft. They take all they take Oladipo at number two. After him is Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel. Like if you redrafted that draft, the 15th pick Giannis would go number one. The 27th pick Gobert would go number two, and the 10th pick C.J. McCollum would go number three. Like. What are you like? Victor Oladipo was the correct pick there. Like, there's just nothing wrong with that pick. 2014, they take Aaron Gordon at four. Okay, the next picks are Dante Exum, Marcus Smart. You could argue Marcus Smart, Aaron Gordon, Julius Randle, Nick Stauskas, 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 Noah Vonleh, Alfred Payton, which we will talk about. And then you go, then you get into the end of the lottery with Levine and Warren and Nurkic. Like, not a bad pick. No, and and that's the draft if you remember where the Magic reportedly were like praying asking, begging Porzingis to stay in the draft because yeah. they were going to take him and they couldn't convince him. The next year, Porzingis enters the draft. They're at five. They're one spot too late. They take Hizonia. You want to hear the next picks after Hizonia? Willie Cauley-Stein, Willie Cauley-Stein, Emmanuel Moutier, Stanley Johnson, Frank Kaminsky are the next four picks. Then Miles Turner at 11, fine. And then the Devin Booker is the home Devin run. Booker. At, then at Devin 13. Booker wanted to play for the Magic. Inexplicably. There's a headline out there. He asked the DeVos family to draft him. Is that true? Yeah. You're, you're, never mind. I'm not going to say anything. Um, oh, yeah, no, I You, you I, said yeah, the D I, word. You said the D I, word. I know. I'm, I'm moving I know. on. Um, uh, and then, if, and then fast forward 2018 is the Luca Trey draft where they're at six and they take Mo Bamba. 
And there, I remember there being some Trey Young buzz and like, are the Magic trying to yeah. trade up to get Trey Young? But the problem is if one and two are set at Aiton and Bagley, okay, and three and five want Luka and Trey, they're not going to trade down to a position where they can't get those guys. And so that leaves you trying to convince Memphis to trade four. And Memphis loved Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, I just don't think they had really any chance or any real hope to get up there. And you look at all of those draft picks and you're like, they're not bad. They're actually like good picks. And it just shows you like the luck of getting the number one pick in the Anthony Davis year or the Zion year or the LeBron year. It's like, there's no skill in that. It just, it just happens. And and then you have the luck of getting the number two pick and, and they always fall in the lottery. The lottery is like, you know what? They're still paying for the karma of the Shaq, Penny, Penny, back to the Shaq Weber slash Penny back to back lottery wins. They're still paying. And then Dwight, the, and then Dwight a decade Dwight, later. That's right. Since Dwight, the lottery's been unkind to them. Uh, but like, you look at those draft picks, right? And you're like, fine, not bad. Yeah, no, I mean, every pick was defensible. Every pick was generally productive, except Hazonia, basically. And so, I don't think that there's. I don't think you can really blame him it was just hennigan for the for the draft so it was just a lot of bad luck it was just winning the second pick in, in maybe the wrong year even though Oladipo was the pick that year so i i think his, his drafting was significantly better than his i guess asset management you'd say and this regime has picked up markel fultz for very little price yes. and like they're higher i think on markel fultz than i am but that's a worthy gamble he he made huge strides for them like where are you on the markel fultz train i love him I think that he's an amazing story. The confidence he was playing with in the bubble was extraordinary, and to see his growth was was unbelievable. I start to worry now, and this is true of Isaac too, because Isaac's played one healthy season. What happens when you have to pay both those guys? What do you, what do you do? Do you try to lock in Fultz now to a team friendly deal? Do you try to lock in Isaac to a team friendly deal? I obviously, if I have to commit big money to one guy, I'm going to pick Jonathan Isaac. But I start to worry about. Uh, overpaying Fultz for the for, for the trajectory he's on, I guess you could say. As we see where this is going, why don't we give it another year and, and see what happens, see what happens next year. Um see what happens in, you know, obviously restricted free agency is always a risk in, in these situations, especially with high upside guys. But I think generally Fultz, you know, the confidence he has in the lane, he's never going to be you know, an elite shooter, but I think that there's there's a lot there. I love him. And and I think that Magic fans, and this goes to what you know the heat Dan Devine got last night. Magic fans are fiercely protective of him. Fiercely protective because they they defended him and they they saw the growth and they want to keep that going. I like it. And and we just went through all the drafts where they got decent players who weren't the guy. And the, the story of the Magic since Dwight is they haven't been able to find a guy and those are hard to find. And they have the number one pick from the 2017 draft on their team. And so there's hope. I, I understand the hope of like maybe that could grow into the guy. Should we talk about the Sarich Payton trade? Is it too is it too painful? It's a it's kind of a like a ridiculous little transaction. It's not little, but it's a ridiculous transaction in NBA history. So the Alfred Payton thing is actually it, it was a, a double blow because Payton's inability to shoot then forced Oladipo off the team. Because the the problem was that the backcourt had no no elite shooting whatsoever, so we had to to try and to. And by the way, he's the only player I think in NBA history where semi serious stories were written about whether his hair yeah. was messing with his jump shot. Like that was actually like that wasn't just like a funny Twitter thing. Like people were like, maybe that's a thing. Like, oh. yeah, I remember that. Turns out that was not that was not the case. <laughs> Turns out he just he just couldn't shoot. Uh, yeah, that was that was awful. Uh, the Peyton thing 
is still one of the most frustrating things because I, you saw this. I remember you talking up his passing. I would see it too. He had an unbelievable uh, ability to see the court. And if he was just a little better at shooting, his career goes so differently. Uh, but I, I just think this is, this was the wrong era for him. I used to love watching his athleticism. Uh, I remember when I lived in New York, I went to go see him uh, play in Brooklyn and just watching him live was, was an experience, but there was just no, there was just no there there because he couldn't shoot and there was no value there. And, and we kind of saw the ceiling pretty early. And I'm surprised that they chose to stick with him instead of trading him and, and trying to, to, to get a shooting uh, point guard to, to augment Oladipo. Another guy they essentially gave away to Phoenix for a second round pick in the yeah. end. Also never was the defender that people thought he was going to be like that was the that was supposed to be his calling card and he was never he never became he's he's active and he can rove the passing lanes but so to review the trade was the Sixers take Alfred Payton as yeah. just to just to be mean because they have some source of information that the Magic want Alfred Payton and they say are right, you want him well we <laughs> well come get him like yeah. we want we want your pick which was two picks later I think with Dario Saric oh and by the way you have one of our picks. Yeah, from the Dwight trade. From the Dwight trade. We want it back. Do you know who that pick became? If I'm tracing it correctly. I, I remember, but you have to remind me. If I'm tracing it correctly, after a pick swap with the Kings, it became De'Aaron Fox. Oh, right. Yeah. Amazing. Savvy move by the Magic. The odyssey of that pick. The Sixers trade it in the Dwight trade, and it just sits there. It sits and sits and sits for a couple years, and then they get it back in one fell swoop. Just mean. It was mean. One fell swoop. And then three years later, after a pick swap with the Kings, again, there's like a 5% chance I'm not doing this correctly, it becomes De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he just – the NBA is amazing. Does the NFL have pick journeys like this? Like, where they, like you know, I know it's yeah. different, but – Oh yes, def- absolutely. Especially when when a team trades up for a quarterback or something, and then it becomes this, or the, you know, or when the Bears trade up for Mitch Trubisky in a trade in a year with with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, that sort of thing. Yes, those those picks are traced. Don't worry. Um, let's end with this. Let's say they don't get Russ. Okay. What do you What are you hoping for for the next three or four years? Do you want if they don't get Russ, do you just like let's just tank? a couple times to try to get the number one pick. Like what do you, what is the route that you want them to take to relevance? Okay. So trust in the front office is probably pretty important here. Isaac getting healthy again, is pretty important here. Obviously the core needs to be shaken up whether that's Vucevic or, or Gordon, um, the mid-level, you know, apparently everybody has the mid-level this year and there's just not a lot of good players available. I saw, saw Jordan Clarkson rumor the other day. That's kind of where we're at. And uh, you're, you're shivering. That's, that's, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Um, I think that there's a path. I think Bamba can develop as, you know, his shot blocking analytics are pretty good. His rim protecting analytics are pretty good. I thought it was interesting. Josh Robinson, Josh Robbins had a piece the other day uh, about how teams drive at Mo Bamba all the time. Cause I guess the, the word is out that he, or the, the narrative is that he's, he's bad at the rim, but he's actually pretty good uh, once he's there. I thought and he made so, real strides last season yeah, before, before the stoppage. I am pro Bamba generally. And so I think that there's there's probably a path there with a couple of these guys, but I'm all in favor of a self rebuild because there's not a lot of flexibility. You know, Fournier is gonna, I would guess, opt in because of of how little money there is to spend. Even though he would be kind of the bell of the ball as far as as you know, free agents because there just aren't any. Um, so I, I, to answer your question, I would tear it down to about. You know, I wouldn't strip it for parts, but I'd tear it down to about 25% of, of where they are and just let this this 
this front office get their guys in because I think that the Hennigan guys and listen, some of these guys are good assets, but I just don't think that there's there's any building there. And as many lottery picks, as many first round picks, as many young guys this front office can bring in, the better. Fournier is interesting because I agree with you. I would bet on him opting into seventeen million, and then he becomes a seventeen million dollar expiring contract. Fournier is a, a good player. I, yes. I just think he's in in over his head for his role in Orlando, particularly in the playoffs. Um, but then then you face an interesting decision when you're if you're the Magic because you have taken pride in making the postseason, and and in both the last two seasons they've kind of surged toward the end and convinced themselves, hey, maybe we're actually like a, a really good team here. Um, but if you start slow, and again, the top of the East and the middle of the East are better next year, the playoffs are no given, you almost have to consider trading Fournier for whatever you can get. Yeah. Because I bet they could get like a lottery protected first for him. This is the same thinking Sam Presti is doing right now with Kelly Oubre, right? Like there's going to be a lot of teams jockeying to win the championship. A lot of teams think they have a shot at it. A three and D wing or a three and whatever wing with some playmaking ability. Like we're going to be able to get a pick for that. And I think if you're the Magic, if if he opts in, I again I don't have real good intel here, but I doubt they want to pay him, you know, four years, seventy five on his next contract or whatever. Like you got to think about it. But if you're rolling, maybe you just roll it, roll it out and play it out. I don't know. I mean, that's but that is a little bit how the Vucevic thing happened. Is that it looked like he was going to get moved two years ago, then he becomes an all star. All of a sudden, we've got him on the books of this big contract, and I, I think he's out. I think he's outperformed his contract. I think he's he's a good player. He's he a legitimately requ- really good player. Nick Vucevic is really good. He just requires a style of play that is not totally flexible. You have to, and and there's here's my take on 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 Vuce, Okay, I don't like the band Mumford and Sons. If you ask me, I would say I don't like the band Mumford and Sons. Okay, fair. But when Mumford and Sons comes on, I like like loud rock, punk rock, all that stuff. But Every year, I look at my Spotify Top 100, and Mumford Sons is on there because every time I hear a song, I go, oh, I kind of I like this. And with Vooch, if you say to me, if you say to me, do you like having him on the team? I go, no, no. He, 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 he clogs, he clogs the, you know, it's half court, there's no pace, whatever. But every time I watch him, I go, oh, thank God he's on the court. Oh, my <laughs> God. Thank God. What would have, what would have happened if, if he wasn't there? We would have scored 34 points in this game. He's a, he's a good passer, all that stuff. He's a security blanket. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you play 2K, but w- when I play 2K, I, you know, nobody gets open, nobody hits threes, and I end up just passing it to Vooch for a, you know, 10-foot jump shot. And then you, you do that enough, and you realize, well, that's actually what the Magic are doing, is that they don't have any other safety valves, and it becomes Vooch. And so I think that there's – I think that he's, he's helpful to have around. I just think if you're if – you're, aiming for something more, he can't be your best player. It's a Vooch as Mumford and Sons is, that's a great place to end. So like, look, <laughs> I, I hope we can reconvene uh, in a year or some period of time when some interesting stuff is happening. Because I really, my obsession with the magic is legitimate. I don't do it to make fun of them. I think rebuilding in no. the NBA is really hard. It's been an incredible, strange path for them. And I like talking about it. So thank you, Kevin Clark, for coming on to talk about it. Kevin Clark, you can read him at The Ringer. Slow News Day is every week, right? Every Once week, a week, yep. Every Tuesday. Um, every Tuesday. It's it's must watch, even for a guy like me who don't, don't, and you get unbelievable guests. You've had, who did you have recently? Peter King, Joe Buck. Peter King, uh, Mark, Mark Ingram, Ravens running back. Yeah, and, your, and your Super Bowl stuff was just, when you take it oh, on the road to the Super Bowl, you. it's just delightful. Kevin, thank you very much, man. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.